good morning, class. Good morning, class. Okay, settled. No, settle down. Settle down. No, no, no. No, Johnny. No, no. You can sit down now. No, no, no. Give everybody back them pencils. That's fine. That's fine. We do have a visitor. Yeah, that's fine. Yes. What's that? What's that, Veronica? No, they're not going to come and haunt you in your nightmares. Not like the last time. No, that's fine. That's fine. Anybody get any questions? No, 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 no. Frank, where'd you get that chewing gum? From under the desk. Do you want to put it back? Or do you want to, do you want to bring it over here? Just bring it over here. Okay, class. Now, today, class, I have got a gentleman by the name of Dustin Stats. And Dustin Stats, he's bringing some games in today to share and show us how we can all play and learn at the same time. Stop picking your nose-ish well. And take the other <laughs> finger out as well. Thank you very, very much. Um, so, good. say good morning to Mr. Stats. Good morning. And everybody else, good morning. <laughs> um, yes, because um, joining me from uh, Board Game Without Education, I have got Mr. Dustin Stats, who's here to talk about World's XP, which is gamified learning experience. I have no idea. I, I'm here to get educated. This is what I'm here to get educated. I'm here to find out. It's currently on Kickstarter. Dustin's joining me just now to have a conversation. And um, we might keep that bit. We might cut it. We don't know. But how are you anyway, sir? Are you well? Yeah, yeah, I like I like that because that's one of my favorite parts about your podcast is that introduction. <laughs> yeah, there's um, there was um, I've stolen it obviously. A long time ago, there was um, there was a fabulous um female comedian. I think her name was Joyce Grenfell, and Joyce Grenfell was famous for doing um a sketch show or a sketch within a com her comedy show, where she pretended to be the teacher of a class. Okay, and that's what she, she that's what she did. So if you're interested, if you want to hear someone, because I don't want to claim this is my idea. So if you want to hear somebody actually doing it so much better and so much with such comedic timing and imagination, then by all means go ahead and kind of oh. check them out because they are absolutely, you know, they're absolutely fantastic. I think they were in the kind of like the the late seventies, um, early eighties, and they were just you know fantastic at doing at doing what they were were doing at the time. Um, but we are not here to talk about comedians. <laughs> We're here to <laughs> talk about the serious business of education and relation, relation to learning. Um, for people who haven't listened to us before, um, where have you been? <laughs> really? It's like 300 episodes, come on. You about if you just heard of us by accident by now, I have no idea. Um, but the reason that we do this is quite simply because there's not enough... Um, there's not enough podcasts out there um, about board games and tabletop. Another reason that we do this is because um, it's interesting to talk about board games and learning. So there you go. So that's what we're going to do. Um, I mean, for yourself, have you... I mean, starting back before even the board games type of stuff, have you always been in a kind of a... Te are you kind of like a teachery type personality? Are you were you always the type of person that ended up kind of explaining stuff to kind of other people? Had you got a good way of kind of taking kind of base information and translating it to other people so that they could kind of understand it themselves? Would you say? I think so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my my students usually learn from my classes, so I'm able to take the take what the content and digest it and mm -hmm. give it to them in a way they can digest easily. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that I hadn't always been is, or I still really am not, is very outgoing, which a lot of teachers like to talk a lot. I guess, I mean, <laughs> I do have a podcast, so I guess I do like to talk a lot. I know. But <laughs> I'm just, I was going to say, you're, sorry, Stats, you're lying. My office, <laughs> see me at the end of class. <laughs> I, shall, I shall not tell lies um, you know not a talker got a podcast that would be, that would be an interesting podcast wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm so, sure there's a podcast out there that's just silence <laughs> yeah I don't know I mean I guess it takes a lot for me to uh, break out of my comfort zone to get in front of a an audience and talk but mm. as a teacher it's very easy for me to get in front of my students and um, give a lesson I guess that maybe there's a difference there as maybe structure but also i think it's um if you're confident with what you're talking about i don't think you have to be 
the kind of the Robin Williams dead poet society <laughs> type teacher. <laughs> you know, you can be just right. the person that's kind of like not trying to be, you know, flamboyant and educational and changing lives. It's just like, look, I've got knowledge. It's in books. I need to make sure that some of this knowledge ends up between both of your ears <laughs> in some way, shape or form kind of thing. Was right. it um, when you were... Um, when you were growing up, was kind of being was being in a teaching profession in one way or another. Was that kind of what you thought? Well, this is what I want to do. Was it kind of like a, a kind of a career choice, kind of quite early on? Uh, to be honest, it was a backfall. <laughs> uh, I wanted to. I went into my bachelor's degree and I studied English literature and I wanted to be a writer. Um, mm -hmm. and I, so I, I also did a minor in education as kind of a like fail safe, I suppose. Yeah, um, okay. In hindsight, I should have done it backwards and minored in English and majored in education just because a minor education doesn't mean anything credential wise. Um, right, okay. I learned a lot. I, it, it helped me with understanding a bit about educational psychology and classroom management and stuff like that. But yeah. um, after graduating, I applied to go teach in South Korea. And that's kind of when I realized I fell in love with teaching. Um, and specifically teaching English as a language. Um, and that's what I've been doing for the past five years now. Were you, um, what kind of, did you, in terms of being a fan of literature, was there anything that you would bury yourself into? Was there a certain kind of genre, times period that you kind of absolutely adored? There was one course and it was the one professor I only I took because I went to a big university so you'd really have mm -hmm. to go out of your way to take the same professor twice and I took her class a second time because I really liked the first mm -hmm. uh, experience I had with her but the second one is dystopian literature and we read some really really awesome novels uh, a few that I can think of the names I, I, I don't remember like all the authors explicitly but um, mm -hmm. one was uh Brett Easton Ellis, American Psycho, a different oh, yeah. book he wrote, yeah. we read. I can't remember the name of it. Um, Platform was by Michel Holbeck, is the, mm -hmm. the French author. Yeah. So The Road by McCormick McCarthy. So a lot of like dystopian, postmodern Just uh, really, really, really cool. kind of happy, shiny, <laughs> yeah. kind of uplifting kind of books. Kind yeah. Of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, not really... <laughs> What kind of, you know, what kind of attracts you to the kind of the bleak and weird? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's kind of funny. I listen to emo music too, so I, I don't know. Right, okay. I, I, don't, I just wonder because when you first came on camera, you did have the mascara and you were wearing black <laughs> and you had the kind of the, the side part and kind of going on with the long hair. And I didn't, I didn't want to ask you if you were okay because you looked a little bit upset. But now, now you're telling me this, then I, you know, it all, it all kind of clicks into place <laughs> Dustin you know and my mind is kind of completely completely kind of kind of clear but there's a lot of there can be a lot of energy in these in these kind of books any kind of dystopian thing you've got it it's an awful lot of world building you can't just say oh everything's rubbish and there's a big government kind of taking over everything because everybody kind of expects that it almost becomes like a trope kind of thing right and I think within the dystopian stuff there's always type of um there's always the kind of the thing to say, yeah, well, everything doesn't have to be bleak and kind of dreary. Sometimes it has to be wonderful and beautiful and pretty and perfect. And that's kind of where the dystopian horror comes out of it because there's no kind of uh, uh, norm, uh, no, um, kind of a normal setting in it. It's like, was it Stranger in a Strange Land or something like that? You know, that kind of, I don't know if you ever read that book, but uh, that is where everything's perfect. <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah. um, and that's where the dystopian horror comes out is there's no kind of individualism and there's no kind of you know horror or sadness or anything in the world because it's kind of kind of weird did you um i mean did you um in between obviously um applying black lipstick and and and, and crying <laughs> along to the smiths did you ever put pen to paper yourself and kind of or keyboard to screen would you do that i don't know but and, and kind of, is there kind of hidden tomes from yourself then? They definitely are, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a, I did a senior project in, 
in college about uh, mm-hmm. the id ego and super ego, and I kind of created a couple, uh, like a poem, a short story based on each of those and mm-hmm. exploring a character's id ego and super ego. But yeah, there's a lot. I'd wrote a zombie. I'd wrote like 40, 50 pages, and I tried to write a zombie novel, and I kind of kind of put that aside. It would be cool if I do something with that, but I think for now it's more the focus on bringing games and education. Um, mm-hmm. So, every, I mean, I do a lot of writing as far as, I mean, you do a podcast too and creating yeah, those yeah. show notes and you want to create something that's that's uh, easily accessible, especially that with us going through and looking at so much content online, we need to make something that's not only attractive, but valuable to you. I mean, have you always kept up with the literature then? Do you always, I mean, as, you know, kind of being involved, even kind of like in teaching English, do you have to always kind of be reminding yourself that you've, I mean, because I can imagine you're doing, the, you can be doing the basics and then you obviously get to the advanced classes, but do you kind of make sure that you're kind of dipping back into kind of literature and books on a regular basis just to make sure you're kind of keeping the kind of the interest and the passion going for yourself. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love, I love reading, um, or at least making as much time for it as I can recently. Mm -hmm. I haven't been doing as much reading as I'd like, but I I always try to have like a, a fiction book, uh, then a nonfiction book that I kind of am reading at all times. And then an audio book that I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. Have you got any authors that you're kind of catching up with at the moment or that you're always going to, constantly going to make sure you're kind of picking up or listening to the work there's a uh, brandon sanderson i've kind of been obsessed with him recently he's written um like mistborn and um the yeah. stormlight archive yeah i love yes. his stuff yeah and there was a there's a board game out yeah there is a board I game think. yeah there's a board game out um for for his uh, superhero um, kind of series of books as well. Oh, really? Know, I haven't was, seen. Is that yeah. is that a recent one? I haven't seen that. Um, it was out. I think it came out in Kickstarter last year, and I'm embarrassed to say that um, I can't remember it off the top of my head. So, I am an absolute disgrace of a person <laughs> for forgetting it. But yeah, um, I think it was something to do with steel or something like that. I'll Steelheart, remember it. Pop- maybe Steelheart? Steelheart. There you go. Is that That's right? it. Yeah. There you go. Thank you for rescuing me from <laughs> the pit of despair um but in terms of your tabletop kind of relationship with in relation to the cardboard um when did that occur i mean were you were you kind of involved in the hobby when you were out kind of teaching kind of um, english out there when i first started teaching i didn't realize i was using what they call as game-based learning or gamification uh Mm -hmm. But I had used some techniques in my classes when I first started teaching. I didn't realize there was a term for it. Uh, and then, so I've always used games in my teaching. And in the ESL mm. field, there's a lot of um, traditional ESL games that teachers use as well. Uh, like, I mean, Taboo is a big one that was really popular maybe 10 years ago. I think recently in, in what I'm trying to help with is kind of create more efficient games for the class. Because... Taboo is not, I mean, where you're, I'm sure maybe you're familiar with the game where you just have to guess a word and there's a few words you cannot say. But if you use that game in a class, there's not a lot of efficient learning going on besides the person that really has the card and maybe the team guessing. But even then, like, you have some teammates that are just kind of don't care. Um, So really, over the last couple years now, two or three years, I've been trying to think of more efficient ways for bringing learning into the classroom through games. Yeah, because for people who aren't aware, gamification is basically, it's kind of make, it's not, it's not kind of making learning fun, but it's almost like making people have an experience and a kind of enjoyable experience, Um, but learning at the same time while doing a talk, while doing a, a kind of a task that most people would kind of label as a label as a game itself yeah so right. um you know and this is me you know I, obviously i'm telling you exactly what you're <laughs> you're <just> going, shut <laughs> up that's not what it is it's something completely else you're completely wrong go away um when did it become like a kind of a focus for you 
I mean, when did you sit down and say, actually, do you know what? Um, let's actually do something and let's kind of take this kind of slightly further than where it is just now. So when I played, um, when I started playing more social deduction games that were, that I realized can accommodate more players, a uh, couple werewolf, obviously, and then two rooms and a boom was a big one that kind of hmm. helped me to open my eyes to realize that I can bring large or I can bring games into the classroom that there's a large number of students and we can yeah. play in a way. Um, so I've been able to realize that I can kind of just adapt mechanics from those games and bring them into the class. Um, but yeah, I think that was kind of one of the big things. And then I needed to do research for my university. So I decided to see if playing a game in class is more effective for learning than just lecturing. And that research turned out not as well as I'd hoped because I wanted mm -hmm. to do a second research study. Um, it was more of a pilot research study and I realized it didn't really create the best post quiz for them. Yeah. And I didn't have a very, I guess, a uh, very accurate data set at the end of it. So were you, did you, did that force a kind of a change of path then? Did you have to approach it from a different manner? Did you kind of dust yourself off and then try and approach it in a different way? Or what did you, what did you kind of do after that? More than, more the fact that I ran out of time and I am now back in LA. Um, mm -hmm. So, okay. yeah, I mean, I took that research and I presented on it a lot. There was some data that was valuable from the research. And that was the fact that students enjoyed learning English through games and they saw it as important to their learning too. And there's a big misconception, I think, in sometimes in the U.S., but definitely in Asia, that learning language is something that you do through rote memorization of vocabulary words. And you're really trying to study for an exam and not really using language in a practical sense. And that yeah. was what games were able to provide. Yeah, I mean, people always talk about English being one of the most difficult languages to learn. Because if you look at, say, like, say, French, then if you're saying, like, something like, you know, we, you know, we're going to, you know, get, talk about the word cut, for instance. And there's all the different variations of, in French, of, you know, there's one, there's a variation in the word for me, there's a variation in the word for you, there's a variation in the word for we, us, you know, they kind of thing. And there's all these variations of French, you know, the French vocabulary. But in terms of that, you know exactly where you stand with, you know, you know exactly where you stand with, with French. You know, once you've, once you kind of learn it, you can then kind of understand it a little bit more. When you get to English, if you're saying, well, go through all those different variations, it's like, well, I cut, you cut, we cut, he cuts, <laughs> she cuts, they cut, we all cut. And it's just like, and for some people that's completely, it, it becomes a really difficult kind of um, process, especially if you're used to using kind of, you know, if you're used to using words based around kind of the, almost like the identity of what that word kind of, you know, ties into, if you know what I mean. Right. Um, and so with the game side of things, did you, did you try and kind of break away from the kind of the almost like the theoretical learning into a kind of like a practical application situation instead. That's definitely so. One thing that I maybe is one of my weaknesses is is being able to I understand the theory and I can apply it intuitively, but mm -hmm. actually diving into it that's always been something that I I have to do my due diligence to really understand the theory behind it and then apply it. Um, mm -hmm. but it, one thing I've learned in my teaching is I have a pretty strong intuition of how to accommodate learners. And then when mm -hmm. I look back at it, I can figure out what, what kind of theory was already in place, what educational psychology they've already kind of researched and studied. And I'm like, Oh, I do that already. And yeah. so then I can expand upon stuff that I had already been doing in class. And I think All the right. same applies for, for when I use games too. Okay. Okay. So what kind of, I mean, what, when you're talking about kind of gamification, I mean, what kind of techniques are you then 
kind of looking at what you kind of what would you say you would be doing differently than a normal kind of say rote learning kind of situation so i guess one one distinction maybe between gamification and game-based learning that is something that's important now um gamification was huge and i guess it's still kind of a big thing but they're really trying to create a distinction in the field between gamification and game-based learning that gamification is adding on elements of games or game-like uh, mechanics to something that's not a game setting. Uh, yeah, there's okay. a, loads of examples in our everyday life through social media, um, airplane points, uh, just different ways that gamification is used. And so in education, that could be something like one thing that I've done is used um, groupings of students and then each student cho chose a, a superhero. So this was when I was in Korea and the Avengers were, were really popular. Yeah. And this was when Loki was the absolute bad guy. So there were no other, <laughs> there was no other Thanos or no one else. It was Loki was the bad guy in the first movie. And so I would group students in different groups and they'd each choose a superhero from the Avengers mm -hmm. and I would put their superhero on the left side of the board and I put Loki on the right side of the board. And so in order yeah. for them to earn stars for the end of the class is something they get as a reward. They would have to get to the end for Loki and to do that, they would have to answer questions correctly. Or mm -hmm. if they did a, something in class, I want to kind of reinforce like they're, they're working silently when they should be, I might say, Oh look, mm -hmm. Johnny's working silently, or I think you said Victoria from the beginning is yes. working silently. So there's superhero moves. So there are groups of superhero moves. Mm -hmm. um, but one thing that's important is you don't want to take away that effort they put into uh, that positive behavior and working well in class and answering questions. So I also created a superhero or I chose a superhero. And so if they did something like answered a question incorrectly, I would get to move my superhero. Or if someone got out of their seat when they shouldn't shouldn't be, I would move my superhero. So it created that strong a sense of uh, like ownership as a class where they were all working together against me, the bad guy, kind of. And then Loki, because they wanted to beat me to Loki. Um, yeah. And then at the end, they if they made it to Loki, whatever group made it to Loki would get the bonus star. No, I think that's important because I think um, generally... I classroom environment i mean there's there's right and wrong answers to a question but also there's people that get it right all the time because they just they just get it you know you there there's always been people that i've always worked you know been alongside in an educational type of environment and they're always the people that you give them some theory you give them something to look at and they just kind of get it which is fine but there's other people who kind of struggle with it and need positive affirmations that they're making the effort in the first place right. because if they feel positive about the meth the kind of the application that they're making to try and get the right answer they're more likely to continue with an interest because i'm sure you know i'm sure you're aware if you're if they if somebody ends up feeling defeated they stop making the effort to try and understand what they're getting wrong and they just think, well, I'm just going to get it wrong anyway. So what's the point in kind of like, kind of like trying? So I can see that kind of method being pretty, um, pretty. I take it was quite effective then. I take it you kind of, it kind of helped. Yeah, helped I mean, the it class was on a day to day basis. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was what I used to help with a class I was having a lot of behavioral problems with at the time. But one thing, I mean, you mentioned mm -hmm. that is really important too is is each individual kind of grows and learns differently and at different paces. And yeah. with Worlds XP, the, the game that we have for teachers to gamify their class, there's an XP system where it's not, not uh, like students receive XP for things they're doing in class or submitting assignments. It's up to the teacher to really decide how or to determine how they earn the XP but it's that immediate reinforcement that they are improving. Not necessarily they're the best or there's no 100%, but that XP structure shows them going from zero to 100 XP to 500 XP to 1,000. So it's showing them that that immediate reinforcement for their effort. 
Yeah, and for their positive effort as well, because I've seen <laughs> I've seen <laughs> things in class where it's like now if you if you do well, you get you know you get a star or you get a shiny face or you get like a sticker to put on your chart, but if you're not good, you get a red mark or something <laughs> right. like that. And I've seen kids. Can I go? I'll show you. I'm, I'm going for the record and try to get as many red marks as possible. Because at the end of the day, they're getting a sticker. They're getting a different coloured sticker, and also at the end of the day, they're kind of getting the biggest the biggest reward, which um, some students like, as you know, especially in the younger age group, which is to get a kind of attention off the person who's trying to control, you know, twenty five kind of other kind of individuals, which is always kind of. Interesting, and I think I've seen the, but um, yeah, I see it all the time. I've got um, I've got um, I've got kids myself, and um, over the years I've seen kind of different kind of techniques kind of brought in on a reward basis, and some of them work quite well, and some of them <laughs> are just like, yep, there goes Veronica again. She's got. <laughs> She's got two noses. She's got two fingers in her nostrils. She's just stuck <laughs> fingers in her ears. She's going for the record here. And, you know, every time she does something like that, the teacher goes like, right, okay, you're getting a sad face. And it's like, cool. That's my 17th sad <laughs> yeah. face of the day. It's another sticker. <laughs> kind of you know, I've got enough to get the set kind of thing. Um, In terms of... Uh, the board games, I mean, with the board game side of things, have you... You mentioned two... Uh, two rooms in a boom yeah. have you brought in kind of um, board games into the classroom environment in order to help you with the lessons themselves yeah and that, I guess that goes into something else we kind of talked about gamification and game based learning where game based learning is separate of gamification where you are mm. using the game as part of the learning process Yeah. Um, so I always use this as an example is uh, Uno, you might use that as a way to gamify learning vocabulary. Um, where as part of the learning process, something I've done to help students with learning the conditional statements like, I believe blah, blah, blah is a werewolf because would be mm -hmm. werewolf. I would use werewolf to show students the grammar structures and the sentences they're using in the game. Mm -hmm. um, as a language teacher, I think we have a unique advantage where we can use almost any game and that's the learning process. They're going through that learning process. I mean, obviously some games are going to be more efficient than others. You can't, you can't sit down and play. Breaking like, out Terraform and Mars or something. Yeah, like. yeah. You're just, I mean, you're, you're reading the cards, I suppose, but that's not, <laughs> that's not super efficient. So as long as like, you're not judging it on the art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, anyway, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, even something like that, you could bring it in, I suppose. So right. maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you could bring in terraforming Mars. <laughs> I mean, you shouldn't. It's, you shouldn't. Know. It's re it's really about the activities too that you, as a teacher, you focus around the game. Um, mm -hmm. Not always. I mean, some games that can be the learning. Where other times you might build activities into it and. I mean, you could you could use terraforming Mars to learn some science vocabulary if you're teaching, um, no, English based <laughs> content no. in science. I suppose. No, no, let's not. Let's not <laughs> give them. Let's not give them any more. Yeah. I was looking at them on BGG and they've gone up again. They got up to number three or five again. I was just like, how? Why? Oh, wow. What are you doing? Stop it. Anyway, but you know that's beside the, that's beside the point. Um, but what made you? What made you sit down and decide, right, actually, let's take this to the next level and put something together, kind of like yourselves? I mean, where did you get, you know, where did where did the kind of the, the idea, you know, for yourself, for, for kind of World's XP, where did that kind of come from? That's a, that's a good question. I would say I've seen a lot of the benefits that games and creating this type of environment can provide. Mm -hmm. And we had used it well i used a gamified structure in my university level class a semester before i brought world's xp into my wife's classroom so hmm. and that structure at the university level was very different than what world's xp ended up becoming in the end 
Um, so I used World's XP in my wife's classroom, and at the time it didn't have a name. And at the time I I was World's XP, uh, so I was <laughs> I was developing the system as we did, go. You didn't have a costume, did you? <laughs> no. You didn't go in and go, "I am World's XP," <laughs> kind of thing. Da, da, da. No, no, no. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but okay. yeah i think a lot of it is it comes from the idea that i've seen the benefit that games can provide and these and it's not just fun um it's that relationship building that you're forming with your students through the game you're, you're yeah. also reinforcing behavior you're helping students develop soft skills and social emotional skills so it's it's a lot of that stuff. And I think that I wanted to provide something that is streamlined for teachers because when I first looked into gamifying my university classroom, I went to look for different resources and there's a lot of ideas and a lot of great content and resources out there, but there's nothing out there that gives you the physical components you need for your class. Yeah, um, and that's yeah. kind of the the reason for why I've created this. So what, um, I mean, what was what was the, what drove the decision to kind of take things to to kind of Kickstarter then? I really, when I started getting into board games a lot more when I was in Taiwan and really looking at at it as an industry and trying to kind of grow in that community of board gamers and not necessarily mm. just playing board gamers like every other month or every month or so, but. Um, when I started to look at that, I really admired that community of board gamers and uh, I saw Kickstarter as an opportunity to bring something and combine these two different fields where education and board gamers. And I know Kickstarter is a, a strong platform for board games, so I figured that would be a, a great place to kind of at least bring this idea out there and expose it to more people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And how does it, I mean, how would it work if a classroom, if, a, you know, a classroom's there, teacher walks in, they stick the box on the table. I mean, what what, what kind of tasks are they going to get kind of people to do? Because um, it looks, looking at this, you've got like character cards, you've got achievement cards, you've got XP cards, you've got a plank with a shark in it. <laughs> no, that's not right. Um, but I mean, what would they expect? You know, somebody's got the box on the table. So, what are they expecting when they kind of they, they kind of they open the box and 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 kind of what materials would they expect to to be? How do you see them kind of using it on a day to day basis? Right. So the box comes with the character cards, the item cards, the achievement cards, and the XP. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it also comes with the a book that it will likely end up being about 40, 50 pages, which is a bit overwhelming. So we also created a quick start guide, which is just six pages. So if you use that, you can get started pretty much right away. Um, And then that book is kind of a narrative from my perspective on how gamification and game-based learning can help benefit different classrooms. And then it goes into more detail about how to apply World's XP. Um, but essentially it's really up to the teacher on how they want to implement it. The idea here is not to tell a teacher exactly what to do, but tell a teacher what they can do in their class. And world's XP is kind of that toolkit for teachers to decide what elements of the, the system they want to use and what elements they might want to leave out. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's essentially three core components and that's the character creation. So students are creating a character and that character is kind of their classroom avatar. And then the other two are the XP system. And then the third one that we're really focusing on that kind of goes back to the character is something called integrated learning adventures. And it's essentially an RPG that combines what you are already learning in class. So there are different different moments in the RPG that a student or the class will come to and they'll need to complete a task that relates to what you're learning in class. Um, and we kind of walk through teachers on how to implement different ideas based on the different scenarios that come with the kid as well. And does that then allow you to, um, they can use the kind of what, what you're providing as a framework and then kind of build around it as to what's going to kind of fit 
the the kind of the project are you expecting them to kind of use this alongside like an ongoing project because i can see because i mean what i know a lot of kids do is they have like a class project for the term and they'll be working through kind of stuff towards achieving an end goal so would you see this as something that they would kind of okay it's you know it's wednesday afternoon let's do this and everybody gather around and let's see where we are or would you see them kind of using certain parts of it on an ongoing kind of day-to-day basis to kind of as you say manage kind of behavior and kind of attitude and you know questions and stuff like that in the class kind of thing or would it fit both uh yeah i guess it would it would definitely fit both um one thing that i've loved to hear from different people who have use the kit already and play tested it a bit in their classes, the different ways they've applied it. And one example was, uh, she's in Italy teaching English as a language. She's teaching third graders and she mm-hmm. used the character creation part of it, um, right. as just a way to kind of tap into the student's creativity. Um, and then she kind of used the XP a little bit to, uh, reinforce behavior. She didn't mm-hmm. use it for entirely too long. Cause that's, um, second or third grade. So, and then there's another teacher who had said that it would be really cool to use for a unit. And I, I personally think that that might be the best way to start is how you mentioned like a project or length of time, maybe four or five, yeah. six weeks and just use it for that, that period. Um, but it's definitely something that can be used throughout the year. Mm-hmm. There are, uh, three main scenarios, a final challenge, and then three optional scenarios. So if it's something that you want to continue with throughout the year, we give you an idea of how to create your own scenarios too. In terms of kind of getting the word out there and getting the name, you know, getting the name out there, are you able to kind of pitch it to educational establishments? Is that something that you would kind of look at look at doing? I mean, for instance, it's, this, it's Kickstarter. It's, it's obviously to get get the project funded to start making, you know, getting the copies kind of sent out there. But is it also to kind of raise awareness that this this system is out there for kind of educational establishments to be aware of its existence so they could consider using it? Yeah, for sure. I think one thing I had said earlier, I just want to kind of put this out there on Kickstarter and um, validate it too, because I want to see if teachers are actually interested in this. Um, outside of the ones that reached out to me or I've reached out to. Any teacher that has used it has had a positive experience. Um, some teachers that I had sent the print and play to ended up not using it. I think that's a really big barrier to a product like this is it needs to be something that is streamlined. And that's why we're looking for the funding to create the physical kit. So it's something yeah. that can be easily used in your classroom. It's not something you have to spend you know, the weekend printing out and cutting the cards and then um, maybe sleeving them to keep them, keep them protected or laminating them. But instead it's just, you have it ready to go. Yeah. I think the thing with print and play is as well is, and um, this goes for anybody creating a rule book. Yeah. Is that <laughs> printing anything on print and play that isn't a white sheet with black type kills your printer basically (laughs) yeah and the number of times as you know as somebody who downloads rule books to look through them first of all to get a taste of a game to see a rule book that is kind of like has fantastic graphics is i didn't i love your fantastic graphics that's fantastic that means that i can look at it on my screen on my tablet on my pc even on my phone however if i'm wanting to print out a physical copy please I beg of you, produce a printer-friendly version. We don't need the graphics. We don't need the pictures. You can stick it in Comic Sans. That's fantastic. As long, <laughs> right. Don't put it in Comic Sans, obviously. But, you know, as long as they can kind of kind of print it out. And I can see that being a huge barrier for teachers. Kind of saying, oh, I've got to print this kind of all all out and, and doing the, pre- the preparation. Whereas if you're just physically handing them the box and saying, okay, this has got everything that you need and here's the reference guide then kind of there you know there you go you can get it can get it ready is this um is this the type of thing you've considered going to directly to educational establishments and presenting to them as something you know something they could just directly buy 
from you and do it on a kind of like a print on demand basis. Yeah, that's definitely something I've considered. And I guess to go back to the other question is, I mean, this isn't a new idea. I think what is new about it is it's physical. It's a physical kit. There are mm-hmm. um, different resources online like Classcraft yeah. and Class Dojo that are electronic. But um, I think that this kit is a bit different because it, it applies uh, game-based learning a little bit more than just where Classcraft might just be a classroom management system with the XP. Um, but I do eventually maybe want to take it out to schools and reach out to other educators. I mean, there's a whole school, uh, I can't remember the name, but their whole school structure is based off of gamification. Mm -hmm. Um, I think recently they've kind of shifted their focus a little bit though, but it's definitely something I, I want to do in the long run is bring this to different teachers and schools and see if they'd be interested in it. I think it would work really well as, um, like a department, maybe the, the history department use it as, uses it or a grade level uses it. Yeah, I think it's kind of getting it. It's it. You're kind of in a funny place because as as a kind of a game thing, I would look at it and say, well, it's a framework for me and it's potentially something you could use in a role-playing style if I was using it with you know younger players. Because I can imagine them creating their characters in a kind of an, an a kind of an an earlier and kind of easier easier way to kind of do it. Um, in terms of kind of like kind of getting it, kind of getting it out there and getting it getting it kind of visible. Um, are you? How, what's it been like with the marketing side of things on Kickstarter? Because it's generally kind of quite. It is very very kind of game gamey kind of focused. Have you found that's been a bit of a challenge, kind of just getting the name out there when you're going up against these big, huge names that just pummel out these million-dollar Kickstarters kind of every couple of months? Right. I mean, I think maybe looking back, I'm not sure, because I know on Kickstarter you can change the category too, but I, I feel like Tabletop is the best category for it based on other projects I've seen in the category too. There's a lot of educational resources or RPGs for kids that show up in that category. One thing that's been a real challenge marketing wise is breaking into the educational market. It's super competitive and very expensive to promote or advertise. Um, I've been fortunate enough to connect with a lot of great educators that have been willing to talk to me about the project. So uh, that's been positive, but I think that's kind of the biggest challenge because it's really easy. I wouldn't say easy, but it's it's possible to promote your board game without necessarily forking over a large marketing budget. Where something like this, if you were to market something in the educational field, I think you would have to spend a lot more money. Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a lot of... Um there's a big push, but well, I know. I know in the states, there's obviously there continues. There's continues to be an ongoing push for um, letting that lovely capitalism go into every <laughs> single part of his, his education as much as it possibly can. Kind of basically. Um, so I'm aware that you know, for some people, if you've got like a tool like this, if you get the right person at the right time, they can just say, "Yeah, we'll just you know, this is perfect for us. We'll just." buy it and use it and then you can kind of come on as a consultancy type situation you know right um i've i can see it's strange because like the stuff that you're saying to me is stuff that's kind of happening over here in our education system with regards to looking at different ways um to engage with the classroom and it's quite simply because within especially in the Scottish education system, um, there's a bigger push for kind of integrated classes. So you've got children with different educational needs when they used to be kind of separated off into having their own um, their own place, basically, um, where they would receive their own attention and their own kind of education, you know, their own educational needs would kind of be more tailored on a one-to-one basis there's a bigger push to have them integrated into normal class so they get the kind of the social aspects so there's less of the isolation 
um, which means you're bringing in kind of extra extra resource in terms of classroom assistance or they're bringing in kind of volunteers to come in the classes. But, you know, that's thanks because um, our government is um, likes to cut education budgets. Um, and that's a completely different rant for a completely <laughs> different time. Yeah. But um, they're always, you know, they're looking at systems where they can include everyone and I can see a system like this kind of working quite well because it's based around it can be based around the individual performance of the individual so it's not a case that yeah you got you managed to um give me you know all of the sets of numbers within the five times table and it's basically well <laughs> you over there <laughs> you know basically you managed to kind of you know write the numbers from one to ten you can give them exactly the same rewards in terms of xp because you're taking into account it's the same achievements for each of the children in terms of how difficult it would be for them to achieve that achievement if you know what i mean so i can see there being some kind of strong kind of strong kind of applications for that um have you approached are you considered looking at um kind of pitching it directly to kind of publishers as well or is it, again is it kind of a, a slightly difficult space because it's almost like an educational tool as well as not just a straight out kind of game um i kind of maybe just to go back with what you were talking about but then i'll answer the question one thing that i think it does too that relates to your point is that it's very collaborative mm-hmm. where students are in groups they're going on the rpg adventure together and it also yeah. has an opportunity to give each student a class role once they reach a certain level. So then they feel a sense of ownership in their classroom and a sense of responsibility because they achieved this level instead of were given that role. Uh-huh. Um, and that's a good opportunity for teachers to employ those kind of strategies too, where they they have these roles in the class and, teach, and the students get to choose which role they want to be responsible for. Um, but I guess maybe to answer your question about pitching it to publishers it's something like part of the plan with launching it was to do it before the holidays and kind of see how the campaign goes and see how people receive it um i'll be at pax unplugged in december so hopefully i'm gonna be able to meet with teachers and whoever any teachers that are attending the convention um i want to set up something to where they they complete a survey about the Kickstarter and just give me some feedback or maybe if mm-hmm. they want to back it. Um, and then I can give them like a prize or something for their time. Mm-hmm. But if it ends up not reaching the goal next January, I'd like to reassess and maybe relaunch um, because it, from a lot of the research and anyone maybe that has done a Kickstarter kind of knows that these are the, <laughs> and that's something we were talking about before. These are the kind of the slow months for Kickstarter, November and December with the holidays coming up. Um, so it wasn't, it was an, uh, a plan to kind of put it out there now mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. hope for the best with the Kickstarter. And I'm, we're doing okay. I, I w- would prefer to be doing a little bit better, but yeah. um, so hopefully, hopefully we pick up, some steam here at the end and if not we'll reassess and kind of see what what worked and what didn't and then um, go from there and if we run into anyone that's interested in doing this or taking this on as a publisher then we'd love to talk to them about that too yeah kickstarter is always a difficult it's it's always a, not difficult it's always a strange being because as i think as we said before we started i know i feel like there's there's you know, I know of at least three different projects which have launched kind of today and they're completely different offerings. And I know that there's going to be some that are just going to go like a freight train and that's it. They're done. They've launched. You know, there was one launched yesterday, um, which was Venice, which is surprisingly enough a game about Venice. But, um, I mean, they funded within four hours. I mean, there's another, you know, there's another one today that's you know looks like it's going to fund over two weeks there's ones that i've still seen on kickstarter that they kind of get to two days within them um i think there was senate magazine recently which is a new board game magazine um 
and they funded, I think, about a couple of days before it kind of, the course, so it's Kickstarter is still kind of like, I have no idea, you know, I'm sucking on my fingers, I'm putting them in the air, I'm seeing which way the wind blows, and I've still got no idea where the wind is coming from with regards to kind of how Kickstarter kind of goes. But um, it seems, to me, it seems like it's an interesting proposition because I can see it from, I used to do a lot of training, so for me I could see it as a real useful kind of practical application to 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 provide kind of structure where maybe some people need structure to feel like they're getting a sense of achievement, if you know what I kind of mean. Um, In terms of, like moving to a quick side, in terms of like, you run a podcast as well, which is your board gaming with education kind of podcast. Right. Do you want to explain a little bit about what what that's all about? Because I'm interested. Yeah, I mean, we we have a few different types of episodes. We do it in season, so we kind of change direction a little bit from season mm-hmm. to season. Mm-hmm. That's based off kind of feedback as well as what I have time for. And, yeah. Uh, so, but every season, starting from season three, we have a guest on the show for most of our episodes, and we talk about their relationship with games and education. Yeah. Um, we originally started off with as board gaming with English, and we were first a podcast for English learners to uh, learn how to play a game and learn the vocabulary, learn the grammar structures of a board game, and then be able to play it. And yeah. it was a resource for English teachers too. But then we found that a lot of non-English learners and a lot of non-English language teachers were listening to the show early on, and we realized maybe we should change focus a little bit and we uh-huh. kind of opened it up to more content areas and just education and games in general. We tend to focus on board games, but it, we had someone on that uses video games and their class as well. So m- pretty loosely games and education. And then we'll have some solo episodes where I might talk about a different subject or uh, I think uh, recently we had five reasons why you should use games in class. So yeah, I think um, it's it's been a lot of fun, and it's something that has taught me a lot. I've been I've learned a lot from a lot of our guests on the show too. Yeah, it's kind of I'm just nosy. I just like <laughs> stuff from other people. But you've been going a fair while because you've got seventy five episodes. So it's yeah, not we, like this is brand new. This has been. I mean, how long have you been? Is it must be well over. A couple of years now, I would have thought. Uh, I think we're getting close to two years. I think February will be year two. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Is that going to be something you're just going to continue with? You know, I know you're back in the States now, so you're just going to continue to kind of record that kind of going onward. Yeah. I think um, one thing that I'm really excited for is building the community here in LA because we kind of did some stuff in Taiwan where we'd host board game events. I would host tutoring sessions through board games. So I'm hoping to start the same type of thing here and do like professional development for teachers so they can kind of mm. learn how to use games in class. Yeah. Maybe even like opening it up to designers and see how they can talk with teachers and see what teachers want from games, from educational games. Uh, in the field, there's a, there's a, I guess, a negative connotation with the word educational games because they're, they're boring, quote unquote boring. Um, so a lot of times I think there, a lot of board game companies will rebrand that term. Um, but yeah, we hope to really grow a community here in LA through the podcast as well, through different board game events and professional developments and, um, like classes too. What's, um, I mean, if people have listened along and they've went, well, what's the price to get into this classroom (laughs) of role playing's fun? And experience. How much is World's XP gonna cost you? The physical kit is $39. Um, if you want more than three, you could get three or more for $99 and then $25 for everyone after that. Or we also have, if you're just curious and want to see what it's all about, there's a digital print and play and mm. digital book for $5. Oh, cool. Are you doing like a. Um a pledge manager afterwards as well. So can people jump in at a dollar now and then order kind of later on? 
Right. Yeah. We'll do backer kit um, oh, for cool. the pledge manager as well. Oh, smart. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Um, and that gets you the entire, is that gets you the entire kind of kit and how long i mean if you've got a kit i mean how many sessions is that going to last for is that going to last for kind of like one project or is that going to be able to last for kind of like several projects so is are the items kind of can you reuse the kind of the resources that are contained within the box yeah it'll be you can reuse it for a different group of students i would say you can't go through the same adventure but it comes with the uh, three main scenarios, a final challenge there, and then three optional ones. So it's really up to the teacher and how much they want to work through a scenario each time they do it. Mm-hmm. You could spend maybe 10 minutes and just go from one or two decisions that the class makes mm-hmm. for one scenario. And then they continue with that first scenario the next time they do it. And then maybe the third time they final they finish that first scenario and then go into the second scenario. But then maybe it's a teacher wants to use, maybe it's an after school program or something. And they, mm-hmm. that's kind of their, their staple that they do every Wednesday. They do the world's XP RPG. They might do the full scenario that yeah. Wednesday. And then next week they would do the scenario two, scenario mm-hmm. three. So at the very least I would say, or at the very, I guess very least, <laughs> if they did every scenario once a week, it would come with um, seven weeks. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, what we will do is obviously we will put the link into the Kickstarter everywhere. <laughs> People are going to open the papers tomorrow and they're going to see... No, they're not going to see that. <laughs> but... um. If people have listened along and they've went, oh, this is really, really interested, and they're interested in finding you, um, not on a personal level, not to stand outside your house and stuff like that, but if they want to find you on the internet webs, where can we find you on the internet webs? So if you go to worldsxp.com, it'll redirect you to the Kickstarter. Don't do www.worldsxp because there's an issue with our redirect so it will take you to the landing page but or you can just type okay. world's xp on kickstarter so um or you can find me boardgamingwitheducation.com um, my email is podcast at boardgamingwitheducation.com you can find me on facebook or twitter is at bge underscore games and then dustin stats probably anywhere you search that name i might show up have you not also got stats dustin as well yeah, that's my email. Yeah. All right. Okay. I was just checking. <laughs> it's all right. You know, try to do my research and stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know, obviously came up short. Um, but as I say, what we'll do is we will make sure that we put all of these links in the show notes so that we have got notes to show. Um, thank you very much for coming on. No, thank you. That was, that was a lot of fun. I Like I mentioned before, I really love the atmosphere of your podcast. Oh, stop it. <laughs> no, no, keep going, keep going. Um, no, um, if you don't, don't, if you don't encourage me, and you know, imagine if people encourage me. Oh my goodness, you know, I need stopped. Um, you know, um, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, go to the internet webs and search for "We're Not Wizards," and you shall find us. If you want to keep an eye on what the pictures that we're doing, if you go Instagram dot com forward slash "We're Not Wizards," you'll find us there. Um. If you want to support the show, there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, you can uh, you can make us a coffee by going to co-fi.com forward slash we're not wizards, I believe. Um, you can go to the different podcast catchers, which have either got the word pod or the word cast, or they've got the word neither, like Player FM or Spreaker or Stitcher or there's so many of them it's just Spotify I mean they're all just annoying and trying to get in the way of my perfectly good joke or you can go to Apple Podcasts um, where you will find us on there and if you do find us drop us a subscription or drop us a rating or even drop us a review if you are going to be giving us a rating or review um, don't give us 10 stars because nobody likes a class swat but don't give us one star, because otherwise you'll be seeing me after class. <laughs> give us something in the middle, like a five, because it's average. And, you know, just a little bit average. But the person who's not been average tonight is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic, a Mr. 
Dustin Stats. Thank, Thank you very, you. very much for yeah. coming on. Thank, Thank you, you, Richard. Um, there's only two more things to do. I know we've got to do it. It's part of the show. If we don't do it, <laughs> then the horrible things happen. But remember that we're many things, but we're not wizards. Are we wizards, Dustin? We're not wizards. And the other thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from Dustin. Say goodbye, Dustin. Goodbye. (laughs) And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, stay safe, roll sexes, make something awful. And, um, okay, get your jackets, get your shoes. Why are you not got your shoes on, Frank? And why are you still (laughs) chewing that chewing gum? See me after class. Until the next time. Goodbye. A wizard is never linked. Nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. (laughs) 